This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always, wait, we have a special guest. It is our award-winning producer who just recently celebrated his birthday. I'm talking about Bo York. What's going on, brother? Oh, come on, man. I, 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 yes, yes. We need to play I, the I, birthday I, I, music. Play the birthday music right now for yourself. No, play the Stevie Wonder. Play the Stevie Wonder birthday, okay? This Not is, the regular. Great. Not the colonized. <laughs> we need the decolonized. Happy birthday. Normally, I'm getting the editing direction, like you know, on on the post. But now I'm hearing it like live, and I'll be live. hearing it again when I when I add it in. That's great. <laughs> awesome! Happy birthday to me. <laughs> How was your birthday, man? It was good. It was really good. Uh, the kids took me to see Detective Pikachu. Oh, nice, nice. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have not. I heard it's amazing. It's like Get Out meets Pokemon. What? I, I know, I know, but yeah. <laughs> I hope, okay. I'm not spoil- I hope I'm not spoiling it for anybody that was just like really, you know, five weeks later, really, and you know, anxious about going to see the Pokemon movie. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting. It was it was very interesting. But that was that was a lot of fun. And, you know, just spent some good time with the family, had some uh, good food and uh, probably a little bit too much food when it was all said and done and uh, rested the next day. It was all good. So we have to talk about something amazing that's coming up. And it's I guess, an early birthday present for all of us. And that is the Mm. first ever national conference for The Witness, which is coming up October 4th and 5th in the city of Chicago, where the theme is joy and justice. Um, By the time this has aired, you will know that we've announced one of our main speakers, and that is our friend, our sister, our colleague, Kemeni Uwan. She will be one of our main speakers. And I have to tell you guys, the lineup is is crazy. It's nuts. It's amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear the speakers that we have lined up, the musical artists that we have lined up. But beyond that, it's the experience of coming together, working together with like-minded folks as we pursue joy and justice. Registration will be open June 3rd. So if you're past June 3rd, uh, you can actually go to joinjustice.com and get registered right now. But if you are still prior to June 3rd, just wait till June 3rd and then the link will be up. And I'm just excited about it, Bo. The team's been working really hard behind the scenes and I think it's going to be a special event. Yeah, I I don't know that there's anything that we've ever worked on that we've all been this excited and equally this stressed out about. Can I say that? <laughs> like, <Right. it's> been- <laughs> yeah. So, so we were talking about this. It's like, uh, it's like having our first child and it was triggering for me because that's something that recently happened. So right. when you have your first child, there's all this angst and pressure. And then when the baby gets here, it's like the culmination and it's all excitement and fun and joy, but it's that leading up to that that leading up process that is stressful as you prepare and get everything ready. So pray for us. And uh, I just I 
I can't wait for people to see. I'm so excited. You could probably tell I'm smiling really big because I'm just so excited <laughs> for people just to get in the same room with like-minded Black believers and for us to pour our hearts out and for us to see what God is doing cross-culturally and also across the country and then um, cross-denominationally. And there are so many Black women that are going to be there speaking uh, I'm going to give away too much, but <laughs> be on the lookout for that. Registration opens June 3rd. You must be there. Okay. So Bo and I have this reputation on the witness staff of always, when we, we're, we're good friends, I must say this, we're good friends, but when we have a disagreement, we go to the <laughs> mat. And I think it's a healthy thing. <laughs> you probably picked up on it through social media, but when we, when we argue, we argue very well. And we argue deeply, and it's typically a protracted, long argument. So there's three or four arguments that we have in recurring fashion, always comes up at team retreats, on Slack. And so I'll take you behind the scenes because Jamar is not here. So I'll take you behind the scenes as to kind of what goes on. But one of them is how we deal with trolls. And so Bo and I are both social media guys. We love being on Twitter I'm not I'm not on Facebook as much. I know Bo's barely on Facebook at all. Um, I, I would not get, be on Facebook at all if I had the choice. But like I'm right. barely there. Emphasis on the barely. And we don't even get you know trolls on Instagram. That maybe we get a couple, but it's not really something that's something really like a trolling medium. But especially on Facebook and Twitter, we always run into this conversation of trolls. And there was an article that we recently posted last week. And it's actually an old article, two years old in 2017, and it was written by our president, Jamar Tisby. And the title of the article is Incendiary, and it's definitely something that <laughs> provokes conversation. But the title of the article is White Evangelicals Must Ask, Why Does Our Theology Lead to Republicanism? So we posted it on Facebook, as we are known to do, just to rehash the article, um, to come back to it see if it's still relevant, drive more conversation. And it blew up. It was one of those things where in Slack, we're like, why is this getting so many comments? <laughs> so we go and look and it's over like 300 something comments, close to 400 comments, 40 shares, all these reactions. And I'm sitting back, I'm like, what happened? And so we go through and we see some people who commented to basically troll the post. So there's a ton of troll comments and so as we think about trolling, we've shifted so much in our organization, how we approach the, the concept, how we even define trolls, which I think is a really good question mm. and a really good conversation for us to have. So we're going to have not a debate, but we're going to have one of these open conversations that we have behind the scenes. Bo and I are going to talk about how we deal with trolls and in particular, racist trolls, <laughs> because I think that's important. To, <laughs> it's important to to couch that. And you guys know, I normally don't use the term racist because everyone's going to, you know, say, ah, I'm not, I'm this, I'm, I'm whatever. Racist trolls. We need to be honest about that because we do receive them. So as you think about trolling, Bo, what is your, what was your initial reaction to seeing our first troll organizationally, or you can even talk about your first troll because you have so many other ventures that you do, like when you got that first person who's just constantly commenting, constantly pressing you, constantly DMing, doing all these things, what was your reaction to your first troll? That's good, man. Okay, so let's let's think about it from this standpoint. Yeah, I, mean, I like I like that you mentioned like there's there's a there's a plethora 
of trolls out there, right? I mean, like there's there's a a vast right, right. Uh, uh, smorgasbord, if you will, of of trolls and trolling and uh, what sets people off. And uh, it's interesting too, because when it, when we talk about racist trolls, like of course the witness is going to get some racist trolls. But the reality is, racist trolls exist in like so many different spheres. It, it's incredible. So you know, as you make, made mention, I wear a lot of different hats. I'm part of a lot of different projects, and we've got kind of you know uh, some core shows that we've been working on for several several years now. And one of them in particular that I'll kind of single out right now is Flash TV Talk. It's an after show, mm-hmm. you know, podcast about the CW series The Flash. It's so good, by the way. Oh, no, no. I, I mean, would have kept you. listening to it, but I stopped watching The Flash because I was tired no! of time travel. I'm sorry. No! Oh, man. Right, I was so tired you, of time so travel. You're trolling me right now. You're tro- I am. I'm not even talking about This that. is a troll. This is a live troll. I hate on the time travel. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't keep up, and I was like, I'm good. It's fine. I'll catch How dare up. you? I picked up All American. <laughs> so I dropped Flash TV Talk and I picked up All American. So I love that. All right. Show. All right. Well, the crazy thing, though, man, is the the whole television, like social media experience is wild because in many aspects, like social media almost seems like it was tailor made for watching television with people because people go in, they, they binge watch things, they live watch things and they start live tweeting it. And so there's this shared experience that kind of comes out of that. And in many respects, podcasting and te- watching television uh, have also kind of coexisted to some extent. The rise of podcasting, a lot of these shows kind of came together from people that were creating podcasts around television series. And so when we kind of got into it uh, early on with the with the Flash series, it was really interesting because people would come to us and they would kind of vent their frustration with aspects of the show. Now, for those that are not familiar with the show or uh, the characters, the source material. I won't get into all that. I'm not going to give you an education on, you know, time travel or, or superheroes or anything of that nature. That's that's for another podcast. But suffice to say, in the comics, there are characters that are or have historically been, and the origins are that they are white characters. Right. And for the television show, as with many of you know, kind of modern modern media, they race changed the characters so that you know they they were they were now black characters, and in particular. Uh, the way that it's structured because the flash is kind of a generational uh, series in that there is a lot of, you know, as we kind of made mention time travel. So you get a chance to meet like children and grandchildren and future children. Uh, They, they changed the kind of racial dynamic and trajectory of the entire family of the flash. And it was actually brilliantly done Mm -hmm. and and beautifully done. Uh, You know, the, the lead actress on that show though, took such flack for not being kind of a, a redheaded white girl. Hmm. Uh, and it, it was crazy because we started kind of seeing that like seeping into our world. Like, why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you bashing this? Why aren't you criticizing this? You guys are so big on the source material. Why aren't you going into this? And it was wild, man. And a lot of like, ra- like the, the, the relationship dynamics of television as well, get these whole shippers, uh, you know, all up in arms and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so the crazy thing is some of the trolls that you get, in pop culture right now have gotten so out of hand that it's almost like par for the course whenever anything occurs like there's almost like an army of trolls ready to jump on it right you know there's kind of a debate about how pop culture has kind of dealt with trolls but we're not going to get into that we're going to talk about us specifically but yeah man for me i think the first time that that started happening was really wild yeah and and i remember the first person who so this is kind of you know behind the scenes ptm so when I came on as co-host, there were times where, I mean, we would record 
so many episodes and we weren't getting any feedback. <laughs> we weren't getting any feedback because Jamar and I were trying to figure out, we knew people were listening, but Jamar and I right. were trying to figure out our rhythm, our rapport. We we're trying to figure out how to be on mic and have chemistry and how to flow together and not talking over each other. And there were so many little like podcasting details that we were trying to press out. And at the same time, you know, there was Mike Brown happening. There was the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement, police brutality, uh, the 2016 election. It's just all these things started happening. And, you know, before then, when we were just recording and there weren't, you know, massive controversies, we weren't receiving tons of feedback and comments. We received one or two like, hey, I, I listen to the podcast. I enjoy it. But I remember the first time we said something that offended like a prominent not even a prominent, I wouldn't say he's prominent, but offended someone who was white reformed and who was in the academy. And so I remember at first- so we're not naming names here. Okay. No, 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 no. And, and, and I, don't even, I don't even think I know his real name. This is not who you're thinking of. I don't even think I really okay, know okay. his real name. But so he reached out and he was interacting. And at first I thought, oh, you, you must have misunderstood what we said at this point. So, you know, I'm hmm. just, you know, typing back and forth with him. And then slowly you start to realize, are you being snarky? Are you what what's happening here? And it's kind of the slow realization of, oh, nothing I say will matter. Oh, right. you're <laughs> you're you're in this to actually get under my skin, rile me up. There's like no purpose of of you know fair, good faith discussion, so to speak. And so I think when we see trolls manifest, the most shocking part, I think, for believers is that when you see people who claim to be so concerned with doctrine and so concerned with fundamentals of the faith and so concerned with Christ-like attitudes, but yet they directly, intentionally misrepresent you. And that's the thing, that very, that very thing that gets on, under your skin. And it's the very thing that makes you question, why are you doing this? Like, what's happening? But that's the game. And so it's it's kind of this weird quicksand thing where the more you try to fight out of it, the more you sink, <laughs> you know? So the more yeah. you try to try to scoop the trolls away from you and the more you try to explain yourself, you sink. But I think you mentioned something that was really important in the whole concept is it's really something that arises from a disdain for just and equitable conditions for marginalized people groups. So when it comes to women, when it comes to people of color, when it comes to Black Christians or Black people in general, there's this sense that whenever a stride is made that advances a people group that has historically been marginalized, there are people who come in and say, this is just PC culture and just seek to undermine that which has the progress that has been made. And I just find that really fascinating, especially in a context like The Witness. So so this article that Jamar wrote two years ago, it received so many different comments, people trolling, people going back and forth. And in the midst of it, you can kind of see people are trying to reason with them. Typically, we've said trolls, you can't reason with them. It's not going to work. You're feeding the beast. Do you, do you still have that mentality? Because I know we've talked back and forth and we've shifted a little bit. Do you still have the mentality that if you're going back and forth with trolls, if you're engaging them, like what's your what's your best practice rule here? Do you immediately block? Do you mute? Do you disengage? Do you engage? Like how do you how do you navigate that? 
I mean, are we talking about like Bo circa 2015? <laughs> okay, Bo talk about circa... Bo circa 2015. Talk about Bo circa 2015 because this is what I want to get into. Talk like, about there... you four years ago. Come on, man. There was a time. Like there was a time where like when when we got trolls, especially, you know, you talk about kind of the early days of PTM uh, and really kind of the early days of you on PTM because it was it was interesting because we had kind of a different uh, a different kind of sound to the show, for lack of a better word. Like it was just a different different mm-hmm. tone. Uh, and so things were shifting, but we had a lot of people listening to Backlog because, you know, obviously it's a delayed, delayed right. media. Right. And so that was kind of that was always very interesting. But when things caught fire or when there was kind of this, you know, triggering moment, not intentionally triggering, I don't think and I could be wrong here. I mean, correct me if I am, but I don't think we've ever really done anything with the intention of being triggering. We've talked about subjects we know will trigger people, but it hasn't been like specifically for that purpose. No, I I don't I don't think we've ever. I don't think we've ever done that. That's not really what we do here. No. I think exactly. we come in bracing ourselves, recognizing that people just don't want to hear these types of conversations, don't want to hear these myths dispelled, or we'll have entrenched cultural affiliation to the myths and the misconceptions being promoted and continued. And so we recognize that we're going to receive reaction, but never intentionally saying, oh, we're going to get them with this one. I don't really think yeah. that's what There's- we do. There's only one time I can think of in the history of the show where an episode was titled for the intense, like the specific purpose of triggering people. Oh, this okay. is before your time. So oh, everybody's okay. thinking it's everybody's thinking it's gender apartheid. It's not even gender apartheid. This was something like before that. But really? Like, okay, yeah, you gotta you gotta text me that one. Like afterwards. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll put it this way. I don't feel comfortable texting the name to you. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Never mind. I think I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a big debate because like when it went out, I was like, oh, I didn't see that. I don't like that my name's on that right now. Uh, uh yeah, yeah. I got you. I yeah, got you. Yeah. So anyway, but like even like specifically, we that's not something we necessarily try to do. But you talk about how people I, I always try to take the mindset. And back then I was still of that mindset. And I, I mean, I, I still am that no matter who they are, they are experiencing an emotional reaction to something that we created. So I'm, I'm kind of coming at this from a couple of different levels. Like you're, you're a pastor, mm-hmm. like that, that yeah. is a, that is a specific lens that you are able to kind of apply to, to, you know, when, when you're, when you're teaching, when you're speaking mm-hmm. for me, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an artist. And so from that standpoint, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, we, we created content, right? Like it wasn't just there to be there. Like there's, there's an, somebody is experiencing the content that they're consuming. They're listening to it specifically with a podcast and it is bringing out an emotional reaction. And there is a truth in the sense that they are, you know, what they are feeling is true to them at this moment. And so I'm always trying to be kind of respectful of that. And back then, when we would get our trolls, when people would kind of, you know, get out the pitchforks and kind of the torches and everything else, I wanted to be, I wanted to use that as an excuse to educate, if not them, then everyone else. Right, right. Because they are, you know, their reaction is also because of the nature of social media, it is also being made public. And so when people who are kind of either on the fringes or they're kind of, you know, uh, too, too busy to actually tweet and participate mm-hmm. and they're just yeah. kind of, you know, viewing and consuming, uh, this is an opportunity to meet that challenge and to make that argument, not meet them on their level at all, but to actually kind of, you know, unpack this, 
present it, not, not, you know, uh, not be snarky in response or anything of that nature, but really just kind of unpack it, answer the questions as if they were intended from someone who's trying to learn something. Right. And even though that person is not trying to learn something, whoever else may be viewing is. It's a concept that was uh, kind of presented to me and kind of I, I learned more about later as kind of collateral education. So as mm. opposed to collateral damage, where something, you know, boom, happens and there's all this kind of outpouring of bad things that surround it despite what the target was. This is actually, you know, boom, the the target was the the individuals in response to another one another, but the actual collateral uh, surrounding is about education and mm. not about destroying, but actually, you know, uplifting. So from that standpoint, man, yeah, I I think back then I was very much of that mindset. What was your mindset back then? Yeah, no, my mindset was the same, but it was also that so I think one of the things that I used to think there was like this, this arrogance, this hubris that I could convince someone and I had all people needed was statistics, facts, education, and civil conversation. There's like this idea that civility, if we can just listen to each other, this was really popular. We talk mm-hmm. about racial justice now, mm-hmm. but before we talked about racial reconciliation and the idea was we just need to all get in a room and just talk and we just need to eat barbecue together and and go out and play ball. And what if our kids play together and our families meet each other and that somehow civility in and of itself would be its own catalyst to change people's minds. And don't get me wrong. I believe that civility and love does change people's minds in certain cases, but I thought it was just a panacea. Like I thought, I can convince you. Let's just go back and forth. Let's just keep talking. And so I'd spend and waste protracted time trying to convince people when the reality is the medium itself. Like now we have mm. 280 characters before we had 140 characters. The medium itself was not built to convince people and it wasn't built for heavy duty education. Now I think what you're talking about is extremely helpful because that was another thing that I I did in person. So I would never engage people in person to debate them. And this was kind of one of the things that I even had as we were engaging different faiths or different religious perspectives that I'm not going to go back and forth with you unless you made a scene and other people were watching. Okay. Now when other people are watching, now it's my responsibility to contend for the faith and to present the hope that, that lies within me, so to speak. And to present that in a way that is compelling for the people who are who are listening and watching, but there's a sense in which the medium limits your ability to educate and convince because it's not built for that. It's not built yeah. for holistic conversation, and it's not built to correct improper framing directly for people who just won't listen to it. Because you can just fly through and you can respond without really intentionally or without me knowing if you're intentionally internalizing what I'm saying. You can just push through it. You can retweet whatever. There will always be, and this is something that I heard years ago about the internet, that the internet, it's like we had this idea that information would create like wisdom, would create higher understanding, would create Um, better living. But the reality is information without a grid to place it in is just chaos. So we don't have a rubric. So it's just information. So there will always be sources and sites and books and articles and commentators and pundits and videos and YouTube channels entirely devoted to things that are demonstratively false. 
but the internet democratizes it. So the internet makes truth and misconception and falsehood all the same. Like it just, it's all the same. And so there's a sense in which the media, and so I had to come to this hard realization, especially at a certain point, because you take it personally at first. And this Mm. is something I think you can't ever do. Like you take it Wait, personally. no, no, no. Talk about that. Talk about that. Cause that's important. People don't realize that like, it's easy to say like, oh, it's just trolls, but like, no, like, like comments hurt, like words hurt. Doesn't matter yes. where they're coming from. So I remember it was, I think it might've been a year ago. I think it was 2018, early 2018. Someone posted something on, um, that I had put on Twitter and it was just kind of one of those rolling threads and I'm an external processor. I used to use Twitter like this. Now I've pulled back. And people will see there's a difference in how I tweet because I just, I don't think it's healthy for me to process in this way. So I was like an external processor. So I would thread out some things and a couple of times it went extremely well. And people were like, wow, that was really insightful. Other times it was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And I didn't consider certain words. And so I didn't consider that people were going to assume certain things about words. And that's probably something I should have you know, kick to Jamar in a text or kick to someone else in a text or written down and kind of process and then, you know, done some study around that was deeper or that had a different perspective. But I was just threading. And then someone puts it up on, takes a screenshot and then puts it on his Facebook. And then I don't know how I found out, but I I happened to come alongside his Facebook wall and happened to come upon that post and I couldn't comment because I wasn't friends with him. And it was just filled with people misrepresenting me. And some of them were mm. Facebook friends of mine. And oh, some of dude. them, this was the hardest part. Some of them would, a couple of them DM'd me to ask me for clarification privately, but publicly on the post, they were trashing me. Like they were saying, you know, he doesn't That's know what he's crazy. talking about. He's a false teacher. He's a heretic. He's this, mm. he's that. And so that was a heavy moment because I was sitting back and I'm like, everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to be affirmed. Everyone wants. So I know we have this idea that, you know, we serve God, not man. We have to prepare ourselves for persecution. Like, you know, all these different things that kind of seek to drain us of our emotions as, as if we don't feel anything. I think mm-hmm. that's unhealthy Christianity. Like Christianity in the American Southern context is, oh, I'm a Christian and I believe these things. And it doesn't really matter what you say to me because, you know, I know what God thinks about me, so it doesn't bother me. And I think it's, I was raised in that kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think it was really unhealthy because I wasn't prepared for the onslaught of people who I could see their pictures or some of them, you can't see their pictures, but they still don't like you and they still don't care how you represent and they still don't care if they're misunderstanding you intentionally or unintentionally, they just don't care because you fulfill something that advances an argument. I I think it's important for us to, to point this out too. I think two of the main goals of trolling are to prove moral purity and to win an intellectual victory. So they want to prove that they're morally pure huh. and then they also want to win intellectually. And I think there's a sense in which we all want our ideas to be presented in the proper light and we want our ideas to conquer falsehoods and conquer misconceptions. And so they poke us into a confrontation to prove that we're morally pure 
and to prove that we're the intellectual victors. And there's something deep down inside in all of us that wants to prove I'm morally consistent. I'm a good person. I'm right. I, what are you saying? Are you saying I would intentionally do this? I wouldn't intentionally do that. Let me prove to you that I wouldn't. So I start engaging you for hours and I waste my time, or I want to prove, frankly, I'm smarter than you and I can do this more than you and I can get around you. And so I'm just speaking for me personally. I think there's always this sense that the trolls I've engaged with have always wanted to prove moral purity and intellectual victory, or, you know, also moral consistency, I think you can say as well in the sense that our theology is more consistent. It's more right than yours. Our methodology is more right than yours. This is, it it falls in line with historically how people have flourished. And I think it's just so dangerous for us to be unhealthy online, that if we're not healthy in and of ourselves offline, what's going to happen online is those things are going to bother us, get to us, and the people who don't even know us, whose opinions don't even matter, will sting. And I think that's a creation of the internet. What do you think? Huh. You know, I, I always, you know, I don't think you're wrong, but I do think that like, like there's, there's got to be something more beyond that though. Fire away. Tell me. Yeah. Well, like the question is why? So, so if, if the driving force is, I want to be right, I want to be morally pure. I want to, I want to dominate you in a, in a discussion or, or in a, you know, I, I want to prove something to myself why what 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 is insufficient in you hmm. that you need <laughs> yeah. that you know what i mean like i've thought about this yes. actually a yes. lot a lot lately and i mean like you know i hate to i hate to keep going back to this well but dude i you know i I mean, we're both like super geeks. So I mean, like being yes. in kind of the- I think people the, know that. So I think we're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, especially like when like in pop culture and, and sci-fi and Star Wars and like, you know, whenever any kind of new announcement of so-and-so has been cast, then it's like all of these people go to the mattresses again. And it's like, what? You're here because you say that we all enjoy this thing. You hear because you acknowledge the fact that we are all coming to the table for one thing. We love Star Wars. You're, you're, you're here because you're acknowledging the fact that we're all here for one thing. We all serve Christ. I'm not saying, by the way, that those two are equivalent of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, it sounded like, you know, but, you were saying that. I, well, to some people, to some people. <laughs> but but no, I mean, like, we're all here because, you know, whatever. We, we like superheroes or, or whatever it may be. But regardless, the point is that, like, we're all acknowledging that we're coming to this table for the same reason of sorts. But like some people come to the table just ready to to fight and bash and can't just be here. And I'm not saying that we all need to get together and get at the table and everything else. Because again, maybe Circa Me 2015 might have thought that, but but Circa Me 2019, 2020, wherever we are, I, I don't even know anymore. Like, I I'm crushed. I like part of me like mm. kind of thinks did the did the trolls win at some point between now and then. I'm not going to give a specific date or specific event. I'm just going to say that at some point between now and then I got defeated just from an emotional mental standpoint where I don't understand the why for them. And it's gotten to the point where they have kind of almost beaten. And this is just me personally, like me personally into submission to the point where I'm like, I don't even know why, why would we engage with you? Even if it's for the benefit of others, which is kind of, and I still hang on to that answer to some extent, but like, why, why would I give any energy towards this? Like at the end of the day, I'm yeah. here when it comes to the core, the important stuff, I'm here for Christ. I'm here to advance Christ. I'm here to, to serve Christ. And I am here 
to work in racial justice and I'm yeah. here for that. And if you're just here to like fight at every single level from that standpoint, you're not part of the solution. You're not. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the, you're only a problem in as much as I allow you to be right. from a personal standpoint. But anyway, that's and, just, and that might just be me. No, I think, I think you're asking a very interesting question. I think part of, you know, this is kind of another concept that's arisen is the hate follow. You know, and oh, so man. we had this oh, we had a situation recently. We had a situation <laughs> where I knew someone was a troll and they followed me and I wasn't expecting it. And so they followed me. So I just printed, I was like, I'm a blocking because I know in a sense, let me save you from yourself because all you're going to do, <laughs> because, you know, racism doesn't just dehumanize the object of it. It dehumanizes the racist themselves. And so I, I was like, man, let me just, let me block you. Let me mute you and block you because it's not going to be good for either of us. It's going to be de- dehumanizing for both of us. And that didn't require an announcement. That didn't require me to parade around and say it. I just said, I, this is probably not going to be a healthy interaction. I've done that with multiple people. Like, it's just not going to be a healthy interaction. We're not going to get along. And you're going to seek me out if you have access to my Twitter feed and just constantly bombard my psyche with negativity. And that's just not a good practice. But I think as we think about hate following, hate following always magnifies critique. It always magnifies the idea and the concept that people who hate something will scream loudly about it. People who love something may never tell you. And It's tough as someone who creates content and it's tough as someone who is trying to push the church forward because Mm -hmm. you sometimes don't always hear the amount of people, and this is not me fishing for compliments. One compliment I've said before goes way, way farther than a thousand unfair critiques. But just the reality of the matter is people aren't standing up and clapping for something that's consistent in their lives. They're standing up and shouting at something that they hate. That's just a function of our culture. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that in the sense that sometimes injustice and inequity needs to be shined on. Like we need to shine a light on that. But I think there is also a a sense that our trolls, our critics, our detractors will bombard us. They will let us know they won't be able to hide it because hate is corrosive. Hate is by nature a corrosive force. Bitterness is by nature corrosive. Like dislike and disdain is by nature corrosive. So it spews out. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can't help but tweet it. You can't help. You can't help yourself. And when I think about that, I'm like, bro, that's what we're seeing isn't so much social media. Social media is just magnifying what is already in the heart of man, what is already in our psyche, what is already out of the abundance of our heart. And now we just can't help ourselves because we have, we have access we've never had before. You know, blocking trolls. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause I just slid that in there. Yeah. So I think, I think other than relatives, I don't think I've ever, bl- I think I've blocked two people. Um, <laughs> I, I block right, all right. my relatives. No, I'm just kidding. No, I think, I think that um, there's, there's two folks I, I blocked. One was, <laughs> what, what do you call like a person who like 
is like a real life troll. <laughs> like, like no, no social media. They just pop up in your life all oh, the time. A, a human troll. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Just an annoying individual. But um, then I couldn't take, I had enough of in real life and I just couldn't take on social media, but I still saw them in real life all the time. Uh, and then, then I had one that was like, like seeking me out and attacking me. And I finally, finally was just like, you know what, on, on all levels, I don't want to see other people retweeting this guy. I, I, I cannot do this anymore mm-hmm. just from a personal emotional level. So I get it from that standpoint and I've done it from that standpoint. And I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Although black mirror teaches us that, you know, the long-term effects of that is not, not great. I'm, I probably shouldn't reference that. <laughs> nah, fire, fire away. I watch black mirror. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so there's that. Here's but here's the other thing, and I I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't even reference this. I won't make. Go ahead, no. Nah, let's go there. We, it's Jamar's out. Let's go. There. It's fine. <laughs> it's, all right. So we we had a situation recently, and this I don't even really want to classify this as a troll, but I kind of want to use it as an example for how sometimes I think blocking can can send the wrong message in the moment. Like I feel like okay. a lot of times when all of a sudden we feel like we're under attack we get that kind of like that turtle nature, right? Like we want to kind of defense up and everything and, and kind of get away from it before it gets at us. We had a situation with an individual who was uh, using trolling tactics, let's say, mm-hmm. to get the attention of a lot of folks on the team, like showing up in comment sections of posts that have nothing to do with what this individual was talking about. And when it all came down to it, in the end, it was a misunderstanding. Like they're, they're really like, again, right. I don't want to qualify. It was a big this. misunderstanding. It was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, huge misunderstanding. Everything was worked out in the end and it's all good. But in the moment, because of the tactics being used, it did have that like severity of kind of this like troll bombardment uh, uh, feeling. And so even within our kind of our sl- internal team, as we're discussing how to handle this, like, you know, like, oh, block them. No, don't block them. Because if they block them, then, you know, they're going to they're gonna screenshot that you blocked them. It's going to blow it out. I think a lot of times, and this is, I think, a really good example of this. Sometimes it's okay to, like, let the trolls be trolls and, and let a situation play it out and kind of take a step back and take some of the hits, even though they're emotional and even though they're hard and even though they feel invasive, uh, which is difficult, which is insanely difficult. Mm-hmm. But that's important. Because only then can you start kind of getting kind of the full, like, what's really going on here? What's the why behind all of this? Because mm-hmm. nothing about trolling makes you want to get to the why. Everything about trolling makes you want to, like, defense up, hit back, turtle up, whatever it may be. But I feel like in a lot of this, we, we get away from what the why is. And so the question is whether or not we care what the why is. And maybe that's, you know, in terms of kind of going forward, how do we handle trolls today? Like, like what is the way in which we handle trolls today? What about you, Tyler? Yeah, I think those are really good questions. I think one of the difficult parts, and we have to get Ali Henney on here to talk about this, by the way, um, because I think she <laughs> endures so much. Um, go download, subscribe, rate, review, combing the roots. Thank you very much. Um, and I think it's just really fascinating because there's a sense in which there are levels to trolling. And I think fun trolling or trolling that stops is one thing, but then trolling that uses the information that's readily available to create content and also to endanger someone's physical safety, I think can be, must be dealt with, with an appropriate swiftness. And so here's what I mean by that. Hmm. 
I think there is a sense in, and I'm just going to speak for a, from a Black Christian perspective. There's a sense that Black Christians feel responsible for the conversion of misguided white Christians. Hmm. Like there is a sense in us that we feel responsible and not just white Christians, but white people. That's why I think there's an idea that makes people say, forgive them really quickly. Like just forgive, just forgive them, get out the way, forgive them. Not recognizing that forgiveness is a process. Yes, it can be a choice and a decision, but it's also a process that may take you a longer time to think through the unhealthy trauma that you've experienced at the end of someone who has frivolously used their words or their bodies or their actions. And I think there's this mentality that Black people are here to save misguided white people. Hmm. And I think it causes us to take and to use tactics of submission and tactics of um, disarming ourselves in a way that is unhealthy and unbiblical. And here's what I mean by that. It is not biblical for you to subject yourself to every form of ridicule. Like you're not, you're not just because we say, okay, yes, we love our enemies. We recognize that that's reality, but you don't have to sit and have your, your dignity and your identity and your value, your worth assaulted ad nauseum. Like that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Because the more you allow that, the more you will start to internalize and believe that which people say about you. Mm. And I think we must, we must keep what Christ says about us as the loudest voice that is present. That's why I think it's just so important to kind of flip this on its head a little bit, that we do follow accounts, not that are constantly showing us the other side just so we see the other side, but we follow accounts that are for justice. We follow accounts that don't involve massive disagreements about fundamental dignity matters because they take this as an intellectual skirmish, as a joust, as we're just having fun. We're, we're, oh, or, or we're thinking through this in the standpoint of this is how the church came to believe core doctrines. Willie Jennings talks about this, that there's this Euro or Anglo mentality um, and it comes from the idea of, of a word disputato, which is you know, where we get the word dispute. And it's the idea that there's like this chivalrous um, striving that must take place for us to get to the truth. And that's why you see a lot of white men and in particular white reform men, they want to debate and argue with you. It's rooted in Euro chivalric culture, chivalric war culture, battle our champion. That's why they're begging us to debate them. Why won't you battle our champion? Oh, so you think the only way we get to the truth is if we stand across from one another in a form you pick and engage your fringe ideas as legitimate. That's the only way we get to the truth. And I think what it tells us is there's a sense that we have to be careful about buying into Eurocentric ideas of how we get to the truth. That that may not be how we get to the truth, and we may not be even required. We may not even be advised for our own mental sanity, for our own spiritual productivity and health. We may not be advised to waste our time in those spaces because nothing we say will change them. 
that maybe it's a unique work of the Holy Spirit that requires us to pray for them and to keep our distance. I'm going to get in the way of the Spirit's work in your heart if I'm constantly responding to you. But if I distance myself from you, I'm not saying it's going to automatically lead to your change, but I know it's going to make me a healthier person. And then it's not going to keep dehumanizing you because I will say something if you press the right button. Okay. 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 So here's what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. But here, but here, but here's the, the thing that I'm, I'm, all right, we'll, we'll get it. This is, this is, this is part of our discussion. Nah, this is our discussion. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Let's kick it back to Tyler Burns circa 2012. (laughs) Circa 2012. Tyler Burns circa 2012. And he sees kind of one of these white reformed, you know, guys standing up and everything. And that conversation never happens. And he's following that white reformed guy. Uh-huh. He doesn't get a chance. He writes off the witness, a black Christian collective mm. for being off to the side, not wanting to engage something must be wrong. Like, right. and I'm not saying that we should meet the challenge for the sake of the individual wanting to challenge us. And I'm not saying that we should meet the challenge from the sake of the institutions that want us to challenge that in- individual. Right. But I do think of Tyler Burns, 2012, who's, who's watching and who is kind of being, what's, what's the word here? Seduced, uh, kind of pulled in (laughs) to some of these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, how do we kind of make sure that these conversations are being exposed to some of these kind of bubbled up black Christians that have kind of gotten, you know, really kind of started to get more and more entrenched into white reformed culture. And I say this, by the way, as a white reformed guy. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm like, sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, not unreformed. I am a reformed guy. So, right. Just- yeah. yeah. So I think, I think you're bringing up a good point about content distribution that we don't want to block our content from anyone. Like, so witness content, pass the mic content, that's not blocked from anyone. I'm, no, no, no. I'm talking engagement, you know, in terms of conversation though, is different than, and again, I'm, I'm. <laughs> I'm more of making an old argument that I don't fully support. No, I think I think it's a fair argument in terms of the convincing of a group. But I think there's also a burden that we feel to convince rather than to build. Here's what I mean by that. Convince whom? To convince people who, and you're talking specifically about trolling, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So the person who starts off our interaction. This is a fundamental thing that trolls do. Hmm. They question your masculinity if you don't engage with them. This is a common white reformed um, troll tactic. You don't have spine. You don't engage with us. You don't want to debate. You don't want to do this. Again, chivalric war culture. Like you need to fight. Like why are you guys so pressed? Like why do you want to fight so much? We need to fight. We need to sit down for hours and hash it out. It's something in them, number one, that they desire to prove to themselves, not to us, but to themselves. They're insecure about their own manhood. So they have to prove that to us. So that's part of it. But I think if your first interaction with me is dehumanizing, I already know where we're going. And I'm not saying you can't change. (laughs) I'm not saying you can't change. But I mean, Maya Angelou says, like, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. Like if our first interaction is this, oh, believe me, like this is what it's going to continue to be for the rest of our time on this medium. Because without getting to know anything about me, you've initiated our conversation 
in a way that's dehumanizing. So I know where we're going from here. We can only go down from here. It's right, not going to get again, better. I'm not talking about the individual that you'd actually be discussing with or tweeting with or whatever the phrase, you know, whatever, whatever the right they, they, you know, channel would be. It's not about the individual. I, I don't, I'm not even saying go into that like with the mindset of even debating said person or even fighting said person. Like I say, meet, meet the fight with a conversation. They're not going to want to converse with you. So they're just going to keep on ranting. And I see that, man, there are some excellent, excellent folks on Twitter mm-hmm. that are really good. And have actually, I mean, they've kind of built up their social media persona with how they deal with their trolls. Some people are really snarky to them and I'm not necessarily bashing that, but right. I don't think that's, that's helpful. But those that are actually like unpacking things from a, con- like from a conversation level, despite the fact that the other person's like just yelling at them and trying to put them down is what provides that education from a broader sense. Like you're never going right. to win that individual over. And I don't think you should treat any kind of interaction like the general you. I don't think we should treat that kind of interaction as if we're, we're going to change any hearts or minds mm-hmm. here. But if you kind of use that to unpack what's really going on, I think that's it, it, there is a positive way to use trolling to the benefit of others. And whether or not it's to yeah. the benefit of the troll themselves, huh. I don't know. Like you said, at the end of the day, we got to pray for them. We, we should always be praying for our trolls. But, but I, think, I think you're actually bringing up a really interesting point and something that I would I – should, I should create some caveats. I should have created this at the beginning, but – the caveat is this is for the vast majority of us normal human beings. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> not, mean, not and by minds. normal, I mean average. Um, because there are some people who are gifted at dealing with detractors. Right. Like right. there's some people who are incredibly skilled in that. And so this is not prescriptive. This is just personally what I think is most helpful for me and most helpful for the vast majority of people who are going to spend their time clicking a keyboard when they should be doing something else. There are some people who are gifted at taking something and flipping it. But I think we have to take a micro situation and pull the macro lesson from it, which is what we're doing now. We could name names of trolls. We know who they are. Our team knows who they are. We're not naming names because what's actually happening is we're giving you what you desire. But we're not going to fight you micro. We'll fight you macro. We'll use the weight of our entire organization to talk about the general principle that you're promoting because it's bigger than you and it's bigger than us. So I think it's important for us to take the micro out of the conversation and say, when we start engaging people in limited space, this is another thing Willie Jennings talks about. I just, I wish I could, we need to have Willie Jennings on the podcast, Hmm. but he says, the idea of going back and forth, he wasn't even really talking about trolling, but it just applies, is to debate you over increasingly granular pieces of information, <laughs> increasingly smaller and smaller concepts, which is we're talking about a specific situation of police brutality, and then all of a sudden you get me on my doctrine. And I'm like, wait, well, hold, hold up, wait a second. What do you say about this core in recognizing if we agree on the Imago Day, a human being should not be treated this way? And now you've pulled me over here to debate about tongues. It's happened before. I'm like, how are we debating about tongues? And how are we debating about charismatic theology on a threat about police brutality? Right, right. How are we debating about marriage on a threat about police brutality? It's like, what? How do we get here? 
And so the idea is to push you in increasingly granular modes of information, like down to where you forget what you were even talking about. Why? Because you're desiring to prove yourself to that person so as to win their respect, so as to win their favor. And I think you're bringing up a good point about taking it and using it, but can we take it and use it in a way that doesn't feed that beast? And can we take it and use it in a way that doesn't multiply the violence and the trauma of the online debate and argument, but that actually removes it out and says, the principle here is most important because if the medium is Twitter or the next social media or the social media after that or beyond social media, the principle will last generationally. Let's attack the generational principle. Yeah. And zoom out of just the one medium and the one person and one conversation. That's good. That's and so really I think good. that's that's the idea is like, how do we take that? And and in every trolling scenario, there's a broader principle. I I kind of tend to think along the lines of of what many people have said, which is you're not gonna be able to convince anyone online. Like I think I'm not saying you can't convince anyone, you're not gonna be able to convince people in the way that you think. Um, and I think there are some people that nowadays black people have to think about their safety. So there's a reality that the more you feed into this, the more you could possibly be putting yourself in danger. I don't want to be paranoid. I don't want to be alarmist, but it's just the fact of the matter. Um, I was recently was able to see a screening from the documentary, um, Emmanuel, which talks about the Emmanuel nine in Charleston, um, South Carolina. And so, I'm not able to talk about the details <laughs> of the of the film, but sure. it just it's traumatizing, and so it it brings to light. Oh, people are actually dying because of these ideas. Like people are getting killed because of these. Heather Heyer was killed in Charlottesville because of this idea. Yeah. So when you when you think about that, you're saying, man, there, we need to be careful about and protect ourselves. Be be harmless as doves, but also wise as serpents to protect ourselves against. And our families against the virality of racism and white supremacy in our country. That's good. And I mean, that's the reality. I mean, anybody on online, like words have power and, you know, you may think that you're doing something for the sake of like starting an argument and you may get kind of out of control in that process, but people are, people are watching, people are reading, people are listening. Our words have power. I was thinking about this the other day, you know, when we think about what we're, what we're creating or when anyone is thinking about what they're creating or how they're engaged, you got to be mindful of the fact that other people are, are watching and listening. And while you may have a think, Oh, well, I would never actually do such and such. You don't know what other people are about to do. You don't yeah. know where their heads are at. Um, no and you clue. might be excited about the fact that you're kind of, you know, having a moment, but, who are you really, who's really coming to you? Who is your audience really? Like if you, right. if you were going into, all right, I, I, was, I probably shouldn't do this. But no, go ahead. Go ahead. Far away. If you are going into the mindset of like being a troll, like, like I'm going to just troll everybody. I'm going to go after individuals as opposed to, you know, uh, philosophies or otherwise. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to just gather up all the folks that feel like the, the higher ups are, are too, uh, too nerfed in their approach. The folks that you're going to get are going to be the more radical audience out there. Mm -hmm. And the more radical the audience, the more dangerous to the folks that you're talking about. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. I wish I could remember this tweet, but 
um, there was someone who was saying something to the effect, um, and it wasn't even someone I was following. Again, that's just Twitter. But it was someone who I followed, who I liked it, who said, man, there are people, there are entire groups of people on Twitter that you've never seen before. Like Twitter is so yeah. segregated. Yeah. And we are one retweet away. <laughs> We're one like away. We're one DM away from someone who is unstable or someone who is dangerous. Absolutely. And so it 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 just again and, and my my core principle is, you know, I'm thinking about the core concerns of, of black Christians and I truly desire for Black Christians to be healthy. That's why we're doing, you know, PTM Whole. We're doing a health challenge, and you can go back and listen to that episode. But I think it's important for us to protect our our sanity, and to protect our health, and to protect our stress levels, because life is hard as it is without devoting large amounts of time. If if you think about, it, we were not created to devote large amounts of time to screens. Hmm. But that's where we are. We have to account for the fact that not only are we dealing with sin, not only are we dealing with the brokenness of this world, which con- contains within it all of the racism and white supremacy and you know ethnic challenges that we're facing within our own locales, but beyond all that, beyond all our personal holiness and sanctification, we're dealing with screens. And it's 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 inhuman. <laughs> like it's not, it's not human. It's not human flourishing for us to stare at a screen. And it dehumanizes our relationships. It does in so many different ways. And you can see that in pornography. You can see that in family drama. You can see that in relationships being fractured. We're not meant for this. We're not meant. And so I just, I want us to think generationally about our hearts and we don't have data yet. We don't have data of a generation on Twitter. What did the first generation on Twitter experience as a result mm. of that social media? Wow. We don't have data on that yet. We are the data. And so we have to be extremely careful about protecting our hearts. I want us to be healthy. I want us to last. I want to see my grandkids. I want us to last. And if we're doing this work, it's already stressful enough as it is. Why compound it with striving? Tony Morrison says the the very real a function of racism, the very real function of white supremacy, the very real function of this ethnocentrism is distraction. It's to distract us, guys. That's the point. So I just want us to stay focused. Now, again, different people have different callings, different ministries. I'm not saying we just take the high road every time. And by the high road, I mean taking the road of submission, the road of of oh I'm not going to say anything back or I'm not going to quote tweet that person I, I'm not I'm not prescribing something for us but what I am saying is in all things we should be healthy and in all things we should remember what our our core mission is and if we do that I think we'll handle with trolls well regardless of what we we end up doing. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast. 
which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.